Cannabis Commerce continues to cultivate new markets for adventurous entrepreneurs. CannabisRadio.com welcomes the adventurous to cannabis and commerce. Presented by GreenBiz.com. This show brings together cannabis entrepreneurs and industry experts to discuss today's important cannabis issues. Our discussions will chronicle the challenges faced by cannabis owners and the battles surrounding cannabis nationwide. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to Cannabis and Commerce. I'm your host, Josh Miller, and this is the show where we take an in-depth, inside look at the happenings of the cannabis industry. Today, I'm joined by a good friend and colleague of mine, Joe Arms, who's the founder and chief solutions designer of Analytically Correct. Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Josh. Thank you for having me on the show. No problem. Uh, so, Joe, we met pretty recently. Will you, will you tell us um, about yourself personally and about your company, Analytically Correct? What do you all do? Sure. Well, I uh, founded Analytically Correct earlier this year, uh, launched operations back in June. And prior to uh, being with Analytically Correct, uh, I worked in the aerospace industry for about 19 years. And uh, a big portion of that was in a number of different analytical roles, um, but got started as a, as a helicopter mechanic and uh, working for the National Guard in Missouri. And uh, after college, got hired on uh, into the airline industry and uh, got started doing analytics uh, in different supply chain management functions uh, for a couple of different airlines. And... What I found there was, you know, about back about 10 years ago, really starting to see really the growth of the use of financial modeling, statistics, uh, mathematics, and business decision making, and really seeing how executives in, in corporations were using, uh, using data to make their decisions, and uh, really got me interested in, in taking that uh, further on in my career, decided to uh, go back to grad school. And I went uh, was here in Seattle at the time and went to Seattle University for a master's degree in finance. And uh, about a year into that program, I got hired on at another aerospace company, a large aerospace company, uh, as a finance analyst. Did that for a number of years. Um, Really still looking at uh, supply chain and performance of suppliers and how that impacted the overall financial performance of the organization. From there, I ended up going into marketing as a regional director in market and competitive analysis. So looking at the overall uh, economy as well as global events and how that was impacting business and understanding what the market demands were for uh, products and services and uh, forecasting out how, how the organization could, could meet those demands. Um, what I noticed when I was doing, doing these roles at a large corporation is I was also out talking to um, smaller companies, noticing that they did not have the access to the to the same skills and tools that that we had at at the large corporation and i saw i saw an opportunity in the market to to create something 
that brought uh, my skills and the tools I know to use uh, to two organizations that I really wanted to better support and nice. bringing that to bringing that to nonprofits and social cause businesses and community organizations. Very nice. I love that. And so with analytically correct, you have started your own company to take your your skills and your analytical skills in the large corporations, the financial projections and market outlooks. And, and bring that to smaller companies who may not ac- have access to those tools and skills? Absolutely. So that's, that's exactly what Analytically Correct is, is set up to do. So um, Analytically Correct provides data analytics services, consulting tools um, to those small to mid-sized organizations to take all the information that they have in various different systems and places as well as information about their market that they that they are performing in, uh, information about the economy, their local uh, events, demographics, and bring that all together in one place and, and develop high-quality visualizations that give them pictures how their business is performing and what's impacting their business. And tying that in into the one place where they can see the relationship between uh, the different pieces of their business and how they interact and perform together, as well as how the all the external factors of the business impact their performance. Can you speak more to those external factors? Uh, what are some of the other things that affect some of your analyses? I have talked to a number of, of local businesses about, and this um, definitely impacts the can of business as well as... Um, retail businesses or hospitality businesses is how do how do local events impact a business um, for an example if you had a uh, say you have a cannabis retailer um, that is in the Soto area south downtown uh, area of Seattle um, as an example okay. for, for where we live um, and that's also in the area where we have our our big stadiums uh, for the Seahawks and, and Mariners, and we have a lot of events, concerts that happen down there. And those businesses might want to know how different events impact their business performance. So taking that external data and saying, hey, when we have a Seahawks game, you know, that... Uh, that you you may need to have more inventory because you can project that your sales are going to increase by a certain percentage. How that differs from a concert or for a, a another type of an event. Very nice. Um, and and Joe, just to be clear, even though this is a canna canna business radio show, and I met you at cannabis industry events. You're pretty new to the cannabis industry, and you do this type of analytical work outside of the cannabis industry too, right? Absolutely. So it's uh, something that I developed um, really uh, as a broader market approach, but focusing on that, the, the small to mid-sized clients and really focusing on businesses that, that have something that they're passionate about, have a cause that they're working for. Um, and that's really what has attracted me to, to the to cannabis businesses. 
began my interest in cannabis legalization and businesses about eight years ago when I really just started educating myself on, on cannabis and learning about all the multitude of, of opportunities that there are for us uh, socially, economically, um, to legalize cannabis. And understanding that many of the things that, that I had learned in the past were, were incorrect. And so then began getting involved in, in a little bit of the legalization movement and getting involved in uh, different organizations that way. And so I've had, the, I've had that interest for a number of years. And then through legalization here in Washington with I-502, I saw the opportunity um, here this year with a number of business organizations um, being developed in Washington and getting involved in some of those meetings. So I just started showing up as being interested in the industry and knowing that I had, with Analytically Correct, some resources that would probably be beneficial to cannabis businesses and uh, just started showing up and connecting to people, meeting people. And uh, immediately saw that uh, really great industry to to be involved in with uh, great people that that want uh, to really work together and help each other as a community. And uh, that was something that I was really attracted to and wanted to be involved in. Very nice. I love it. Uh, Joe, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about your entrance into the cannabis industry and things that you hope to accomplish there. Uh, again, this is Cannabis and Commerce. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz.com. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Looking to capitalize your cannabis business? You need the help of professionals who know the ins and outs of this industry and can help your business grow. You need the Green Consulting Group. We grow cannabis. Based in Colorado and working nationwide, we are experts in business strategy and understand the intricacies of operating within existing regulatory structures of this burgeoning industry. We offer business planning and market analysis, dispensary and cultivation management, marijuana license preparation, and regulatory compliance services. The Green Consulting Group are your consummate cannabis consultants and advocates, offering customized, cutting-edge professional consulting services to the cannabis industry. Find out how we can help you by visiting the Green Consulting Group at G-R-E-E-N-E-B-I-Z.com. Green Consulting Group does not constitute legal or other professional advice on any subject and always recommends seeking the advice of independent counsel and business professionals. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network, CannabisRadio.com. The conversation continues. Welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz.com, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce. I'm your host, Josh Miller. Today I'm joined by Joe Arms of Analytically Correct. We've been talking about the importance of data and data analytics in not only the cannabis industry, but in other industries. 
Um, Joe has worked in many other industries, including some nonprofits and hospitality. Um, and now he is entering into the cannabis industry to help businesses look at all of the data surrounding their businesses so they can make informed decisions moving forward. Joe, will you talk to us about some of the, the pitfalls and struggles that some of your cannabis clients face in this industry? First, I would just like to, I'd like to acknowledge that with this new legal adult recreational cannabis industry that, that we have here in, in Washington, Colorado, now uh, other states uh, legalizing, particularly here in Washington, there's, there's a number of struggles that, uh, that, that businesses have in, in getting established. Um, there's the hurdles that they have to go through for, um, license approval and, uh, the dealing with, uh, local jurisdictions and getting, uh, their businesses, business license set up there and zoning issues, as well as our current tax structure that we have in place in Washington that, that is, is rather challenging for a number of businesses right now. Um, the uh, banking issues that uh, businesses are dealing with, um, in addition to the fact that on a federal level, the businesses that are entering this, this market are, are taking a lot of risk in that it's at a federal level, it's, it's still illegal to buy and sell cannabis. Now, with that, there's also a lot of pitfalls and struggles of just getting a new startup business off the ground, find investors, and be able to project sales out into the future and understand what is happening currently in the business and not just know what's happening, but what does that mean? Um, why, why did certain events occur? Why are sales down or why did sales uh, suddenly spike uh, as an increase? Um, I think what, what Analytically Correct provides for, for clients in this industry is some tools around that second piece of, of really getting in and being able to easily understand business performance. So getting some relief of the frustration and overwhelming that, that can be involved in, in, in having a new business. So uh, being able to have the data to build forecasts and have forecasting tools and have ways to communicate that to potential investors and not just the data and those forecasts, but the information that supports the decisions that, that those clients are being made. Absolutely. Joe, do you find you spoke of zoning and licensing issues, the, the excise tax that we have here in Washington State, um, also 280E with, with the federal tax structure and how people can't deduct for general business expenses. Do you find that a lot of your clients, when they get into this business, they, they don't necessarily understand all of those additional costs that come from working in this industry? In general, that's, that is correct. I think a lot of people that have, uh, got into the industry, um, really didn't know how those things would, would impact their business. And as they are getting things going, they are, they're learning as they go. And there's a lot of 
trial and, and error and decisions uh, that that are made at kind of when when you're that early and into uh, into developing a business. And I think that's where analytics helps bring that type of information together to where you can understand better how those things will impact the business and be able to make more informed decisions uh, in running the business and truly understanding the risks of all of those things. Absolutely. Joe, I know you um, you haven't been in this industry too long, but can you tell us generally about the types of clients you work with and then provide some specific examples of how you've helped people um, analyze their data and, and improve their business outlook? Sure. I'm working uh, right now with a couple of businesses. Uh, and one is more of the, uh, I would say, our traditional medical business um, under our, our, our medical cannabis system where the, the company provides edibles to uh, different medical dispensaries throughout the state. And uh, what I have been able to help with there is really getting processes in place and getting the systems in place to really just start tracking the data. Um, so that's the stage that we're in right now is, is really just data collection and we will be taking that here moving forward and starting to build tools to, to forecast future performance and start doing business planning. So when they go to start talking to investors and uh, expanding in into other business, that they really have a foundation of knowledge of how they are performing, how they believe they can perform under you know with investment into the future, and facts and data that support that. So really legitimizes their business to to potential investors. And Joe, you brought up a, a good point. I'm just going to repeat. I think it's worth repeating, but uh, you can't really analyze data unless you've collected a bunch of data. And so, yeah, it seems that a natural first step for these companies would be find all of the mechanisms and institute those mechanisms for tracking certain data points, right? What what types of data points do you talk to clients specifically about? Um, I mean, what, which types of things do you try to get them um, to track with their data? The two biggest things to track are sales at a high level is typically fairly easy. Most businesses um, are collecting their sales data because we have tax reporting requirements. But then starting to understand, so a little bit more granular, like individual sales, like who the client was, uh, specific items that were sold, tracking that over time, so knowing um, any difference in Seasonality would impact sales or days of the week or, um, again, talking about correlations to other events or weather. Um, nice. How all of those other factors relate to, to the sales. The other piece that I, I focus on starting to track is cost data and being able to get that as a low a level as possible. And so I have an example of that, of a, a business in the industry that um, I've been working with, that I'm working with a, uh, a company that makes reusable hemp coffee filters and tea bags. 
the thing I'm working with with this company right now is really understanding the costs associated with producing each one of their products and understanding how much material goes into that product as well as how much scrap do they have by different uh, by their different filter types, by their different tea bags, um, understanding how much time that they're spending in manufacturing those. And so they can get to a unit cost, not just a total cost level. And so they can now understand profitability by their individual uh, product lines and not just at the high level because some of their products maybe uh, they may be selling at a loss today and they just don't know it because they don't have that level of detail. Very interesting. I like it. All right, Joe, we got to take one more break, but uh, we'll be back in just a moment. This is Cannabis and Commerce. Thanks for joining us. Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz.com. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome to the State of Cannabis. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. Advocates and analysts will join us to discuss the ongoing path to reform and legislation. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, a fitness writer, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Like many of the million people who are living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every single day. And sometimes my nerves are so raw that if you brushed up against me in an elevator, I'd scream. I can't sleep at night from the pain, and sometimes the spasms in my legs are so intense they will wake me up throughout the night. I've tried the strongest prescription medications available, and I'm going to tell you, they do not work. In fact, they leave me in a stupor, and most of the time, it's impossible to even live your life. Now, I've tried medical marijuana, and I'm going to tell you something, it works. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. The conversation continues. Welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz.com, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce. I'm your host, Josh Miller. I'm here with Joe Arms of Analytically Correct. And if you haven't noticed already, Joe is one of the most intelligent people uh, I've met ever, um, and also in this industry. Uh, he's providing... And in, in providing these analytics to clients, he is providing information, real, solid, factual information that can be backed up by data and statistics. And that is simply something that is not found in this industry. And so he's, he's doing powerful work for this industry. Joe, can you talk to us more about the specific Washington state cannabis market? Um, I-502 maybe specifically. What do you see of the market right now? And then what do you see happening over the next few months and few years as this market develops? Sure. So one of the things right now I'm doing uh, to, in support of the, the Washington market is uh, I, I have a 
uh, business intelligence dashboard that I've created and um, have been publishing in partnership with the Marijuana Business Association, MJBA, and uh, we have started regular publications of a MJ research report that can be found on uh, MJ Headline News. And um, so what what we're providing in this is a overall look at the state and um, what is happening as far as uh, sales at the producer, processor, retailer level, um, excise tax, um, where we're at as far as, far as uh, application approvals. So looking at that state level of market data. And so right now, um, I think as of the beginning of last week, uh, the state's total cannabis uh transactions were $56 million um, for the year. So thinking that that's going back to uh, early July when we first began legal retail sales. And what we see in the market is really a steady, um, healthy growth month over month in in sales. And that's really, see that correlated with... um, the increase of retail store approvals and those stores opening up. So when you look at the 330 plus stores that the Washington Liquor Control Board has authorized for the state, and they have allocated those out by county, um, we currently, well, as of, I'd say as of the beginning of last week, there were 75 of those stores were in operations and reporting sales back to the state. And Joe, just to give our audience a little time reference, when you say last week, you mean about mid-December 2014. And so we're looking at about a six-month time frame uh, for that $56 million sales figure. Is that correct? Yeah. So that's, that is um, not even a six-month time frame. So just about five and a half months, a little over five months. Very nice. Um, and what do you see happening maybe to sales figures and prices of cannabis and all those types of things over the next couple of months and, and few years as this develops? Do you have any, any idea about what might happen there? Yeah, so I, I would say that I can, I can speculate a bit on, on what I see. Um, I see that um, you know, the prices that we've seen uh, so far in the market, which... When you talk of you know thirty to forty dollars a gram, or well, even higher than that, um, in, in certain places, um, that's that's not really going to be sustainable in the market. Um, and when you look at overall the total market for cannabis, um, I mean we we do know that recreational and medical and the black market all compete with each other, and pricing will be will be a big differentiator in in those markets and the ability for recreational to really succeed. So one of the things that we do need to happen is for the the prices to to come down and be stable. I mean relatively in line with with what we would see in in medical. So that's one of the things that needs to happen and some of that some of the ways that that will happen is is the market will 
through through competition will will drive down the price um, within itself as more stores open up and we have a consistent supply of cannabis within in the market. The the biggest impact of that is is going to have to be a change in our tax structure, um, which will likely require some type of of action from the state legislature. Um, so I see that that. You know that's a necessary thing that that the state needs, and I believe at some time it will happen. If it happens this year, I you know I I I wouldn't be willing to speculate that that action will take place this year, but I, I really hope that it does. Um, it's it's the biggest thing that the the industry needs right now, and and then the other thing is is really looking at the the medical side of the industry and medical patients need safe and affordable access to their medicine. Um, and that is something that's really different than recreational use. And I think that we, we can't, we can't forget that. And right now we, we have a, a huge gray area in our medical market uh, here in Washington, and we can't just we can't just shut shut it down. We need to we need to make sure those patients have have their medicine and, and can afford it. Absolutely. Um, and so, kind of just to wrap all this up and and bring it full circle, a lot of these legalization bills um, they they're put in place specifically to attack the black market to put a dent in those things. But you mentioned it just a second ago. If the the tax structure or if something else, if other regulatory um, structures in place don't allow that to happen or keep the prices too high, consumers will keep going to the black market and marijuana legalization will be, in, in, a, in a sense, somewhat moot because it, it won't actually put a dent in that black market. And so you all collecting this data, showing sales figures and trying to find them in the other industries, the other sides of this industries too, um, to compare, I think, is really important information for legislatures and the agencies to see so that they can understand the importance of lowering taxes to lower prices and eventually dent the black market. Um, would you say that that's, that's correct and that's one of your goals with collecting this information? I mean, we can, we can compare to other industries like liquor or tobacco that have gone through similar regulatory issues and black markets still exist in those. But what we can do is things in place as an industry and through legislation strongly discourage the black market. And the biggest way to do that is, is through um, really through effective pricing. If people can, can go to a store and buy something for, Maybe not the same price as the black market, but within a within a, a an acceptable premium, they would more likely do that than than go out to the black market and purchase it. Absolutely, uh, that makes a lot of sense, Joe. This this is going to have to do it for our show today. But uh, it's been a pleasure meeting you and knowing you. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, I'm going to be around you a lot. We go to a lot of the same events, so. I'm sure we'll have you on in six months' time or so so you can give us an update on what you've seen happening in the market. Thanks again for joining us today. All right. Thank you, Josh. No problem. Uh, again, this has been Cannabis and Commerce. Uh, we thank you for listening. 
Um, to all of you out there listening, uh, wherever you are, may you continue fighting for freedom so that we can all enjoy a little bit of a freer society. We thank you again, and we'll talk to you soon. The opinions and thoughts expressed by the Green Consulting Group and its guests on this radio show do not constitute legal or other professional advice on any matter. We always recommend that listeners seek the advice of independent counsel. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.